everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Enjoying the Journey. I am super excited because I have a, a friend of ours with us. His name's Adam Weber. You may have heard of him. You may not have. He's a lead pastor at Embrace Church. All around good guy. Just spent a lot of time talking with him off air. Too bad you can't hear that conversation because it was awesome. But just laughing and having a good time. We are so grateful to have you on today, Adam. We talk a lot about it on this, this podcast, Enjoying the Journey. And so for listeners that know you, maybe don't know you, maybe have heard your story or, or haven't, can you kind of peel the curtain back for us and, and let people know who is Adam Weber? Oh, well, Rob, I appreciate you big time and respect in a, just uh, you in so many different ways. And so I'm honored to be on. Just a little bit about who I am. Uh, I'm a pastor now, 14 years, which is insane. Uh, I am married to my wife, Becky. We've been married for 16 years. I got four kids. Don't know how I have four children, still trying to figure that part out. Uh, I, I just love what I do. Never wanted to be a pastor, but I'm a pastor. Um, I've written a couple of books. Um, just totally humbled. Um, and, and I just got done sharing with you earlier. I'm in one of the sweetest seasons of my life. And I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't believe that. Like, I just, I, it's really a life-giving season. Uh, I'm, I'm also a big nerd. So anything old, I get interested in it, whether it's an old car, an antique pen. I mean, anything and everything. I just get, I'm just curious. I love people. My, my wife always says, uh, strange rangers are attracted to me. And I'm like, I, t- I, I take that as like the best compliment ever, question mark. Like, that's you awesome. love me. Yeah, so, so that's a little bit about who I am. That is awesome. I, I, had a, I had a friend that used to travel with me a lot. You talk about strange rangers or however you describe yeah, it. Yeah, strange rangers. We were in Duluth, Minnesota doing a show or whatever. And we go on the elevator, right? We're just getting on the elevator at the hotel to go down to the floor to get to the venue. And it was the craziest thing in the world. This person gets on, looks at my friend, and spills their entire story on the way down of the elevator. I think <laughs> all he said was hi. And the next thing I know, I'm off the elevator thinking he's behind me trying to get to a venue. Nope, he's still with that individual. I'm like, what just happened? And he goes, it happens all the time. They just look at me and start telling their whole story. Yeah, yeah, that well, that that is me. That is me to in, to a T. It's crazy. I'm like, I have no idea. People, random people, walk up to me. Hey, Adam, and they're not like in my church. They're not sure. even in Christian world at all. And my wife's like, How do you know that person? I'm like, ah, I once met them in a dark back alley somewhere. <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea. Like, it's like I have no. I. She's like, Of course you did. Of course you did. So it's. It's crazy. That's awesome. My, my wife gets mad at me because we'll go to the mall. And I, you know, we're ministry guys, right? So yeah. now and then you think just smiling or, or saying hi to somebody is, is a nice thing to do. Yeah. You know, it's love others, love God. I figure loving <laughs> others is acting somewhat interested. And normally when I engage, I am interested with that person. Well, we were at the mall yeah. before Christmas. And I said hello to an individual. Next thing I know, I'm there for 15 minutes finding out whether or not I need eye cream and then that I can get a $5,000 massage. And oh, my wife was so mad at me. (laughs) Why didn't you just walk by? I said, all I did was say hi and how's your day going? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So I I can understand. I can understand the the feeling of, 
Oh, well, I guess we're engaged in a conversation for a while. And next oh, thing you, know, you look around, your family's gone, your kids. Where were you, Dad? Why, why are you talking so long? Well, I was just curious oh, about I, what your life is. Yeah. Yeah. The other day, I uh, met someone on Facebook Marketplace to buy an antique radio forum from them. Oh, cool. And I, an hour later, I ended up in their basement, seeing their whole collection, hearing the guy's life story. My wife starts texting me, where are you? I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know. I'm like, in some random stranger's basement. I'm like, how did I get here? That's right. <laughs> oh, so that's you're... the story, story of my life. Oh, that's awesome. And talking about your life, you were not always a Christian, correct? No, I wasn't. No. Can, can you walk us through that? How, how you became a Christian? And yeah, yeah. So I, I grew up in the church. Uh, you know, before while, while I was still in my mom's womb, I was in church every single week. <laughs> grew up, grew up Lutheran. All my extended family is Catholic, mm. and I can't say anything negative about about either. But just grew up. Um, church was kind of one hour a week that you endured and then you didn't talk about it. And from as young as I can remember, that didn't make sense to me. I, cause I would hear about an amazing God on Sundays and then away from that time, again, nobody wanted to talk about that amazing God and it didn't seem to impact anything about them. And I just knew that when something amazing was in my life, whether it was an old car, a cute girl or a football yeah. game, those things impacted yeah. me, you know, like, and I just used to think, and I, I had these thoughts as a little kid, like early, early on. I can remember thinking, if God is so amazing, why does it not seem to, why does he not seem to change anything? Mm. Like, why, why, why aren't people changed? Because when I was around the cute girl, I couldn't talk straight. When I, when I thought about next week's football game, I, I, I just couldn't wait. You know, an old car, I would just drool over an old car. And yeah. I, I, just, I just thought if there was a God, he would change everything about you. And so from a young age, I just wrote it off. Uh, I got confirmed uh, as a freshman in high school. And I told my parents it was the most I'd ever lied into so many people at one time. Mm. And because I had to say that I believed in Jesus and I, I didn't, I just wanted to be done. And I really felt like I had graduated from God at that point. Well, that was a huge shift for my parents. I think hearing me say that just outright, they, uh, I thanked them for this so many times. They set everything aside um, where they really felt connected was the Catholic Lutheran church. They set everything aside to find a place that would connect with me, regardless of what it was. Well, there was two family friends of my parents who kept telling them about a church in Watertown, South Dakota, um, and they should come check it out. That was a 30 mile drive one way for our family. Okay. And one, one morning, my parents went to that church and uh, it was the first church that I'd ever been to that had any kind of contemporary service. It wasn't even that contemporary, but it was more contemporary. And mm. so I walked in and I'm like, why are people smiling? You're not supposed to smile at church. You're not supposed to be happy to be here. And um, came in and I, I actually had told my dad off the entire way to church. Only time that I've ever really been harsh with my words. I told dad, this is the biggest mistake who drives 30 miles to church one way when we've passed about 70 on the way here. Mm. And um, so we came in and um, uh, I sat down uh, and I noticed basically a bunch of cute girls my age were in that church. And so I knew that I was going to church somewhere. I might as well enjoy the scenery if I'm going to be there. And so I, the only reason I, I, it was so outside of my comfort zone. Like, again, I thought they were crazy. They must be handing out Kool-Aid to be excited to be in church. And, uh, but each week we came back and the pastor uh, is just a simple man, uh, not this high charismatic leader, but each week he just talked about Jesus. 
Mm. And he talked about Jesus in a way that I'd never heard before. And really for the first time, instead of the words going over my head, they began to hit me in the chest every week. And I just began to feel like, how does he know all this about me? Like, how does he know that I feel this way, that I, my family's going through this and that? And um, God just really, I, I can remember telling my parents, even a few months in, uh, this pastor is doing a good job of selling something I don't believe in. And so every, but, but I get, began to know uh, the girls in the church and also some of the guys in the church, I became friends with them and they began to invite me to youth group. And mm -hmm. I said, we can, we can hang out any night of the week, except Wednesday nights. Uh, Cause I knew my, I only had to go to Sunday church. My parents didn't make me go to youth group because I graduated from confirmation. And so I was like, I, so I don't need to do that. So any other night of the week, well, they just started, Hey, our youth pastor wants to meet you. And I knew that he was younger and seemed like a, just a fun guy. Mm. Uh, he was 23 at the time. And so uh, I, they convinced me to go. Everybody started singing. And in church, I never sang with anybody. Like I just kind of go through the service, even though it was more enjoyable. Well, at youth group that night, I started singing. And for the first time, only way I can explain it is just felt God's presence. Wow. And I stopped singing right away because I was like, I don't know what that was. <laughs> and that first, that first night, that first night, the youth pastor talked about prayer and just what prayer was. And so that began to really, uh, I, I just had never heard about prayer shared in like kind of a, a conversational way. And we can talk to God as if he's a friend, he's holy and he's our, our father and he's the king of kings, but he's also someone that we can approach. And so, um, uh, I, I decided I wasn't coming back to youth group again because that feeling, I didn't know what to exp how to describe it. Well, the next week. The, the friends came up to me on Sunday and said, are you coming back to youth group again? And I was like, no, not going to come back. Well, come on, please, please, please. And uh, I, yeah, I had no, I'm a high people pleaser. So I came again, same thing happened and God really got a hold of my life. And really the, from, from that night on, I knew that God existed, mm. but I was, I was positive that he would never want anything to do with me. Um, so that was a weird, that was a weird step for me. Cause before it was a lot easier just to be like, it's all garbage. Right. Right. But then, then it was really hard. Like, no, I actually, be I actually believe Jesus is who he says he is. And I believe that God does exist, but there's no way he'd want to forgive me. And my story isn't one of wild parties and whatever else. My story is, my story is one of being very vocal about Christians being idiots, Christians, not reading science books this is all garbage. I was very vocal. Uh, a friend invited me to FCA one time, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Yeah. And I told him to never talk with me about it ever again. I told him I, when I got through confirmation. I'm good to go. Please leave me alone. And so I just, I just thought like, there's no way if for me, it was like, well, of course he could forgive somebody who wasn't outright, like trying to get, you know, say anything bad about God. Um, but for me, I felt like, if someone wronged me and talked about me that much, there's no way. Like I would never, like that just didn't add up. And I was actually at a conference in Chicago at Wheaton College. Mm. And uh, the pastor was talking about evangelism. We were going to go out doing street evangelism. And I wasn't even a Christian yet. <laughs> and uh, it just clicked for some reason as he was talking that the cross applied to me. Mm. Like it applied to me too. Not just other people, but also applied to me. And so in this gym, actually the speaker, I can't remember who he was. He put all of my friends to sleep. They were all bored. Oh, and I like, I literally am in this conference room packed with kids. And I basically say for the first time, Jesus, I want to follow you. Mm -hmm. And uh, from that day forward, uh, 
God's been uh, had me on this journey. I didn't know what day that was until about five years later, I found the conference book and I was able to find the guy who was speaking and up in the top corner, it had the date. Wow. It was July, it was July 13th, 1999. And uh, it's just crazy that I didn't even like, I didn't even think I realized what a big moment that was until years later. And then you kind of had that thought, gosh, I wish I knew when that day was like, yes. And then I, I come across my manual and the day is right there in the corner. I'm like, well, there it is. <laughs> so awesome. It's kind of crazy. And God just began to take me on this journey. And uh, when I got to college, I was still kind of living dual lives at that, that, that time, two different lifestyles. And I was sick in both of them. Both of, I was miserable in both. I couldn't have fun doing what I used to do. And I wasn't enjoying this Jesus following thing because I was living inconsistently. And so my freshman year of college is when I really, at that point said, I want to follow you with everything, not just a part of you. Like, I'm not just going to be a fan of yours. I really want to be a follower of yours. And uh, even then another step, uh, probably the next biggest step was in, in seminary uh, finances. My parents have been through a, a failed business. And um, so just finances was a place of, of uh, clinging for control, you know, like, like, I don't ever want to go through what my parents went through financially. Right. And so I had never trusted God in the area of stewardship or tithing or generosity. And God just got me to this place my very first semester of seminary and just said, like, are we going to address this? I talk about money all the time and you've, you're still like, you know, like that's kind of inconsistent. And again, I'm such a simple, practical person, like yeah. kind of show me the proof and so even for myself, every time I get to any time Jesus talked about money, I would just kind of dance around it. And then like, <laughs> let's turn, let's turn the page, you know, like let's, let's keep going. There's other stuff in here. And so that was another huge, huge part of my story. So. Oh boy, do you hit the, the nail on the head there. <laughs> understand the trust, especially when it comes to financial. Yes. You get scared. And then yet, you're probably not like me. He has proven himself faithful over and over and over financially. And yet a new season comes, it looks a little dark or dry. And I'm thinking, well, he can't do it for the 900th yep. time. You know, he can only do it yep. 899 times, but oh, I, I understand. And, and I've watched similar uh, with my parents go through, through some things as well. And I'm just thinking, ooh, that's a tough place yeah. to be. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be there. And, and then taking it from financial to health to whatever else, because it comes down to that big word trust, right? Yes. That's what it comes. And recently I was in, I was in a leadership group and we had to talk about that word. And I said, to be honest, it's one of the hardest words for me in the English language. Yeah. Kind of look at me and I said, well, when you trust somebody, you're no longer in control and you can be disappointed. And yep. those are two very hard things for me. I don't like to be disappointed in it. And it's tough to let up, let go of control. But when you do, boy, he does surprise you, doesn't he? Oh, it's in, it's incredible. And I think for each of us, it looks something different. Like what area of trust? Um, for me, it's so weird because I didn't trust for the longest time. I trusted myself more than God when it came to finances. Right. I can I can do a much better job than you can, God. Yeah. And so I I, ha I held out for so long that in the area of finances, when I did, so we we went from never giving a cent to tithing in one day. I was a student with no job, and my wife was making minimum wage at the time that we started tithing. And not even just tithing is not the goal. The goal is generosity. 
Correct. The, the goal is the goal is more than that. Like it's more, it's living a lifestyle of money, whatever. But for some reason, when I surrendered that, I did like in every so often it creeps back in, but really that's been an area that God has proven himself so many times, like over and above uh, providing um, that I just can't, I just can't doubt. But then there's these other areas for me, the people pleaser yeah. uh, is, is an area of like, um, and wanting to be used by God for great things. That's where I struggle to trust. Yep. It's like, it's like, um, okay, but you, you provided this, but are you going to, it's so weird. So finances now, that's an area of like such confidence now for me awesome. of like, oh my gosh, he's no, he's going to provide. And then some. but then there's other areas that are so you could say elementary mm-hmm. that I struggle with, you know, this like, but God, like, yes, Adam, have you, I look at my track record. It's right. pretty stinking amazing. Right. And yet, and yet it's easy to let that creep in. And, um, and yet God is just like, just trust me, just trust me. Oh my, but I'm a stubborn mule. You know, I got my legs dug in and he's pulling yep. on me. <laughs> so, yep. uh, and so it's constant in that battle, but I think it looks different for each of us. And I think it's easy to even often judge, well, I'm not as bad as that person or I'm better than them. And yet it just looks different for each of us. We might have strong trust in the area of finances and then low trust in job or relationships or blah, blah, blah. And um, God just wants every part of us. And I, I kind of look back at my story and it's so cool how he, 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 little by little, Hey, Adam, hand over this too, hand Mm -hmm. over this too. And he's so kind that way, instead of demanding, like, like right now, this, 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 and this, I think just on that process, he just, Hey, now it's time to deal with this bitterness inside of you. Like, like, and, and Hey, now it's time to trust me with your kids, Adam. Gosh, you, you're like white knuckled on your kids and like, and worrying about them. And God's like, okay, you can hand over your kid. Like, and so it's just crazy how he takes us on that, on that journey. (laughs) Oh man, you brought some things up that just pierced a little bit. (laughs) Oh yeah. I might be in that wrestling match with God a little bit. You know, kids is a big one. Kids is a big one. We walked through some hard things this last season. I I forgot about, to be honest, we, we had kind of put them behind us. And then I was in a meeting yesterday and somebody asked me, Rob, can I ask you a personal question? Well, you'll learn something that when you ask me a personal question, I usually am pretty honest. And <laughs> so we went back down that road and all of a sudden it brought me back to that moment and thinking about, wow, that that is a lot when you say white knuckles and releasing your children oh. releasing uh, people pleasing or releasing you brought something up i want to bring up again because i i honestly believe there's listeners out there that that deal with this you know they may believe in jesus right they may believe that jesus is who he says he is but they can't take into their heart yet that he's for them there's yes. I've been there. I can still be there at times that, yes, I know there's a God in heaven. Yes, I know he sent his son to die on the cross, but it wasn't for me because he can't love me enough. Because if he loved me enough, then all these things that I'm wrestling with or that don't equate to the equation that I want to equal something wouldn't be happening. And it's such bogus. Yep, it is. You know, yes, he loves you, too. And yep. when you can get there and say that out loud, it does free you from from some things that yes, he loves Adam and he loves 
Rob, you know, that one's a little bit harder yeah. to say. It, but I think there's listeners out there that, that are dealing with that. Yeah, there's a God in heaven. There's a Savior that came. But he doesn't love me for, for whatever reason they're holding on to. And uh, I want them to know you can release that too. You, you yeah. Can trust him in, in that as well. And, it's so, and, so good. Well, and you're... You're just inspiring and passionate oh. and you love people well, which is the second title of your book, Love Has yeah. a Name. And so as we were talking as a group here in the office, just your approach to outreach and, and, and loving people. And so, you know, God took you from going through the motions to getting a hold of your heart to becoming a pastor. I would say a very influential pastor. Yeah. Now, I know it's in South Dakota and you're like us. Nobody respects Iowa. Nobody respects <laughs> South Dakota. But it's still it's influential, man. You've yeah. God has given you a, a, a wonderful platform as as we as we look at this, this idea of love has a name. Can can you dive just a little bit in? into that because I think we're in a season where it's important. Yeah, no, I, well, I'm, again, I'm humbled by your kind words. Um, really, really the book came about um, it, a few years ago. I went through the hardest season of my life. Mm. Uh, really, really for the first time, I didn't want to love anybody. Uh, I was, I was jaded. I was broken. I felt betrayed. And my strong suit has always been loving people. I just genuinely do. I, I'm just drawn to people. I want to know their story. And I, I just know I have something to learn from them too. So I'm naturally just want to learn and just curious about, about people. Well, a few years ago, life just caught up with me and I was jaded and I wanted to love my wife, uh, Jesus, my kids, a few close friends, and that's about it. Right. And so I went through this season and, um, uh, thankfully God doesn't let us stay there. So I began to like, what does it look like to love when I don't have any love of my own? Like when I'm, when I'm dry, when my, my love tank is non-existence, it's actually negative. What does it look like to love people? And so God brought me on this journey and uh, one of the coolest things, and it, he did this not so I could write a book, but so I could heal. Oftentimes we, it's easy to think about all the people who have wronged you. If I asked anybody listening, who are the five people that have hurt you the most? You could immediately list them off. You've maybe cursed them out in your car when it's just been you. You've maybe secretly hoped uh, for their marriage to fall apart, for them to get fired. Um, maybe even prayed for those things to take place, honestly. And um, so it's easy to focus on them. But what about the five people who showed up when nobody else showed up? How about the five people who gave you a job opportunity that you didn't deserve, who provided for you and your family when it was like, why are you doing this? And Jesus really began to highlight those people in my life. And so I just went on this journey and um, then it was kind of cool going as I read through the gospels over and over and over, I began to see similar people uh, to these people who had loved me that Jim, Jesus was like. And so that's, that's really where the, where the book came about. But uh, our world needs that right now more yeah. than ever. Would we be slow to speak and quick to listen? Um, instead of uh, writing people off, would we uh, just ask them to share their story? Uh, the ability to agree to disagree, I feel like it's been something that went by the wayside. Yeah. It's like, it's like we, can, we can disagree on a few things and I can still honor you. Yeah. I, can still, I can still respect you. Mm -hmm. I can still see the good inside of you. And so really one of the kind of the leading heart parts of the book is uh, – uh, something changes when you get to know a person's name and you get to know a person's story. 
They're no longer, they're no longer just a person who's different than you politically. Oh, Republicans, Democrats. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like, no, they got a name. And uh, this is why, this is their background. Even, even the hard to love neighbor, something changes when you get to know their story. Yeah. That, they, that they're battling addiction, that they lost their wife to cancer, mm-hmm. that they didn't have a father growing up. It may not change them necessarily as far as like how, how they interact, but all of a sudden you begin to see them differently. It's like, man, I never knew that about you. And all of a sudden you find common ground. It's like, I lost my dad at a young age. Mm-hmm. I battled addiction. I have years of sobriety. My, I lost my brother to cancer. So, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. all of a sudden you begin to have the love of Jesus within you. And um, so there's, I think right now, instead of yelling our politics at everybody, yeah. yelling, 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 what would change if we just said, hey, what's your name and tell me your story? Because right. um, all of a sudden when someone shares our story and another person hears it, they feel loved. Mm-hmm. And when another person knows that you love them, you can strongly disagree with almost everything they're about and they will still respect you, value you, love you, appreciate you. They'll begin to ask for your opinion knowing that you disagree. There's a, there's a business owner in Sioux Falls, not, not a Christian. Uh, yeah. He's told me he's an atheist several times. Uh-huh. He, always will t- he always will tell me, uh, I need a pastor in my life. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but and, uh, very different in every way, politically, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Almost every time he sees me, he'll be driving in his car. And if I'm like hanging out at, on a, a bench or I, I, I do random stuff. So if I'm sitting somewhere, yep. he'll turn around, park his car and get out and talk for, talk for an hour with me. Wow. Um, when his business shut down and reopened again, he's not an atheist man. He saw, he is an atheist man. Yeah. He saw, he saw me, came up to me and said, this is going to be a weird request. And I'm like, okay, what are you going to add? I don't I'm like, I have no idea. He's like, Hey, we're reopening my store. And I wondered if before we open, would you mind stopping and praying for my business? Ooh, that's awesome. And it's that's like, wow, what? I said, I would be honored. Yeah. I can't believe what? And he's like, I know it doesn't make a very good atheist, <laughs> but, but it's all because I've established that relationship rather than yelling my politics at him, rather than yelling where I disagree with him and blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, he's like, no, Adam loves me, respects me, values me, has asked my opinion on some stuff because he's curious about me. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I want to do the same with you, Adam. Like, hey, can you, can you pray over my business? I know that's weird, but I'm, you know, yeah. he's, he's, he, I know he's even been scared about his business financially. Right. And so even maybe in his, it, it's kind of cool that even that, like, he's, you know, I don't know what to believe about God or even if there is a God, but would you mind praying over my business? Like, that's the type of, of, of conversations we can have when we love really, really well. And we lead with relationship rather than conflict. And mm-hmm. I don't know what it is in us that is constantly looking for what do we disagree on. Yeah. Even, it, even as like Christians who are the same politically, it'll be like, well, speaking in tongues, infant baptism, that baptism, yeah. um, Cal- Calvinist Armenia. I'm like, why are we looking for where we disagree rather than like Jesus is Lord? Yes. yes. Okay. Jesus is savior. Awesome. View of scripture. Okay, great. Like, like yeah. you know, I'm like, we agree with most things. And yet even, even us, there's like, well, what about that? What about mm-hmm. that? Hey, it's cool if we agree to disagree, 
quick side note, the church has agreed to disagree on this whatever issue for thousands of years. Like, <laughs> so, and, so, and so it's, uh, I think, looking for that common ground rather than where you disagree is a, a huge part. And I think Jesus lived that out so well. W- one thing I'd encourage you, if people who think differently than you don't respect you or want to be in your presence in that area of your life, you don't look like Jesus. Mm. Like, and you know, like, um, if, if, if people who are different from you aren't drawn to you in that area of your life, you don't look like, like Jesus. Cause Jesus, you'd have tax collectors and sinners who absolutely had differences and what they thought about Jesus and his ways and all that kind of stuff. But almost every time, uh, the, the Bible, we use language, like they were pressing in on him because mm. they wanted to get close to him. Yeah. Even the, even when Jesus tells the prodigal son story, uh, he's eaten with tax collectors and sinners and it, we're told that they draw near to him. And I'm like, he's, I'm like, I think Christians have lost that ability in a lot of ways. Are people drawing near to us right now? Right. Like the answer should be yes. Well, they don't agree with, agree with me. That doesn't, that doesn't matter. They should still be drawn to us. And Jesus, he, he was quick to share hard stuff. So he wasn't just sharing shallow, shallow surface level stuff. But he did so in a way that people knew, man, I don't know what it is about him. I just have never felt so loved before. Mm. You know, it's like, what, yeah. and again, when you know that, when another person knows that, you can say almost anything to them. And they're like, I might have disagree with you, but gosh, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So, And then, and then they don't use it against you later. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a genuine relationship where you can feel somewhat safe and say, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm yes. at. And they don't hold it against you later. I Absolutely. Mean, that's what when, love really looks like. And, it is. And when you model that consistently, that trust level just builds. And I, I feel like I was just telling someone this yesterday. It's been so amazing. People I know disagree with certain things who are now, I feel like, almost my greatest allies. Mm-hmm. You know, like friends, like this, this man, this atheist man. Yeah. I feel like he is he is now an ally. Like if something was to ever come up, like did you hear this about that church or this, he'd be somebody like, hey, have you met Adam before? Right, right. You know, like have you talked with Adam? Because man, you should you should grab coffee with him before. And it's it's amazing how even that can be the case, where all of a sudden people who think very differently than you will all of a sudden become allies, even if they're not even on the same team. It's like, hey, I'm not a Christian. I don't really believe like that or whatever. But have you talked with Rob? Have you talked with Adam? Because yeah. uh, I think you would change your tune with what you're saying if you knew them. And that, that kind of thing is unbelievable. When someone has a reputation like that with people yeah. outside the church, unbelievable. Oh, that's... Ooh, that's so good. Yeah. Our world needs that so desperately right now. It's crazy. And as a pastor, as we talk about your journey, as we talk about love has a name, this thought, because I, I just think you have such a great perspective on stuff. As, as a pastor who has walked with people, whether it's your, I would call them your atheist friend. Yeah. Congregational members. As we ended 2020, which was a hard year for many, many, many yes. people, not just in our country, but all over the world. And we enter into the season of, of 2021. What is a perspective or a takeaway that you could give listeners to add just a little bit more joy in their journey? 
I love this question. Love this question. Two, two different things that I would encourage you. Uh, first off, ask the question, who are you allowing to speak into your life? Yeah. Like, who are you allowing to speak into your life? Is the voice of uh, social media, the news, kind of negative, critical people louder than the voice of God in your life? You're going to struggle to find joy. Yeah. You know, like, you're going to struggle to find joy. Is the, is the voice of Jesus louder than your, your, your work to-do list, your job? Like, is that louder in your life than the voice of God? You're going to struggle to find joy is whatever it is, is that, are you allowing? And we have that control. We have control of what we, uh, who we allow to speak in. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're in circumstances where we have a boss that's hard to be around or we have a neighbor, whatever. So we sometimes don't have full control over things, but we have the ability so often, the things we choose to listen to, it, no, no surprise you're going to struggle to find joy. You know, like, right. I mean, just not in any way. And so I think, I think first ask that and make sure the voice of God is the loudest voice in your life. And because, um, gosh, I, I, my everything changes when I've spent time in the morning and throughout the day with Jesus listening to him. I'm reminded that I'm loved no matter like how my day goes. He's a great provider no matter how things look like he he has a purpose and he's using me even when it feels like gosh, nobody's coming on Sundays and this looks different. Like, and so like, who, who are you allowing to speak in? That's the first thing. The second thing is uh, something I mentioned in the book, but it's really more than that. Something I've just been living out the last few years. Each day I've just prayed, God help me to find one person that I can go out of my way to love today. One person that I can go out of my way to serve today, to show kindness to today. I, it has become the greatest blessing in my life. And um, really, really quick story. Like, so this looks a bunch of different ways. Um, but one of the guys that I talk about in the book is a guy named Antonio. So Antonio is 21 years old. Uh, he had um, some medical complications when he was a baby. So he kind of has the, uh, um, the thinking ability of like a 10 year old. Okay. And so wonderful, wonderful young man. Uh, I, I, you know, can be a, a distraction to a lot of people because he'll laugh during my message when I'm talking about things that aren't funny, like a divorce or addiction, he'll start laughing. Um, and so he's just that. So he's in, he's in my book. Uh, well, once a month and his name's Antonio, I do a zoom call with him. Oh, cool. So I zoom, I zoom with him for like 30 minutes, uh, from a world perspective, I'm wasting my time. Mm -hmm. There's no, why am I doing this from a joy perspective? It's the highlight of my week. I mean, so I'll get on and he'll be like, Adam! <laughs> now I know I mean, why you do it. <laughs> I mean, like, ah! and then like, he literally in 30 minutes, he tells me, I love, he says, I love you probably 15 times and all this kind of stuff. So, so that's Antonio. He calls he, uh, for a while. He was calling the office every day, emailing five, six times a day. I mean, it was just like, okay, what do we do? I was like, okay, one time a month. Well, then another guy about a month ago, a guy, um, emailed me. His name's Nico. He's from Canada. And he said, I'm Antonio. Uh, his story is my story. And I've never heard anybody ever like me ever mentioned in a book. Well, Nico started calling her office five or six times a day, <laughs> messaging me every way possible about 10 or 12 times a day. And so I, I, so I zoomed with him a couple of times, same type of thing. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm like. I'm going to introduce the both of them to each other. And Nico's like, 
I get to make a toenail from your book? Like going crazy. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So last week I Zoomed with the two of them. Yes. And uh, they, it was the whole time God just kept saying, this is the most important meeting of your day. Wow. This is the most important meeting of your day. Uh, Nico asked me to read two paragraphs from Antonio's chapter to him. And I asked if that was okay. And Antonio's, and by the end of it, Antonio's crying. Mm. And it was just one of those amazing moments where it, for, for my day, for my job, for my career, for whatever, you right. could say I wasted 30 minutes. For my joy, it was through the roof. Yeah. Later that day, I got to interview a New York Times bestseller for my podcast. Couldn't believe I got a chance to sit down with him. The whole time, it, it was like God was just saying, hey, Adam, just to make sure you really don't miss this, uh, your first meeting, endlessly more valuable and important than this one. Wow. He's like, and I, and I love this person too. Don't, yep. don't, yep. I love this person too, but I just want you to like, cause you're really, you miss this sometimes, Adam, like that first meeting, the most important meeting of the day, week, month, possibly year. And so I think doing some of those things that may not make sense that's the joy. If you're, if you're listening right now and you feel like you're stru- stuck in the rat race of life, meetings and all this deadlines and bills and all this kind of stuff, look for one person each day that you can go out of your way to serve with no strings attached, not to better your career, not to whatever. Like it has no value, you could say at all, except it's the most important thing in the eyes of God and it will fill and overflow your joy. And um, so that's what I would encourage you to do. Amen, man. You couldn't have knocked that out of the park any better than that. And I know you weren't doing it to knock it out of the park. That's what I love about you. It's genuine. It's real. It's raw. It's open. It's, yeah, you did something as a pastor. And and our listeners may not understand, but when I say you're a pastor, you're a pastor of almost, what, 4,000 congregational members? A few people. A few people. a few people. So when you say... You know, I took time, and I don't want to discredit anybody that has a disability, mental, physical. No. I'm, I, that's not the point of that story at all. It is yeah. how valuable that was to somebody, because in society's world, pastors, executives, teachers, doctors, lawyers, you know, time is so extremely what we call valuable. Yes. And to take time, I, you melted my heart. And well, you yeah. ended it any better. You really well. Can. Just just to just to say it, just for the record, most of the time that I that I find that one person to go out of my way and love and serve, almost without exception, I don't want to do what God asked me to do. Right. So it's it's not out of the genuine greatness of Adam Weber. Right. It's almost it's almost again that picture of that mule with its legs dug in the sand, yep. and I'm finally getting to the place where I'm like, God, every time I do what you ask me to, even if it seems foolish, because there's been a few times where I'm like, this is just a bad idea. What am I doing right now? But every time, every time that I've listened to that still small voice when I've prayed that, uh, just God show me one person, and then He like right here it ends up being the greatest highlight of my day. And so I finally, it's not out of my goodness. It's out of God's kindness. And it's now like, Oh my gosh, it's just better. Like, it's just better. Like every time I follow you, it's just better. Even if it's hard, even if it doesn't turn out how I thought it would go, it's just better every single time. I love it. And I love you being honest about 
that it's not always yeah. about you, you know, having this wonderful, compassionate heart to, no. to everything, but just being obedient. That's the word. That's the word yeah. to the still yeah. small voice. And I think you nailed it. So I guess our takeaway are your two lessons and being obedient to that still small voice of Jesus. And you'll find a little more joy in your journey. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's so good. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Rob, for all you do. Uh, just, it's awesome to think about the impact God has had through you. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.